Hi there, and thank you for tuning in for another episode of Worlds Collide, the podcast where we talk about moving abroad. I am your host, Victoria, and yeah, I said it just before. Thank you for tuning in, though. So today's episode was recorded a while back, but that doesn't really matter. It is about moving to Japan. So we did not really have a full episode about Japan. So in this case, my guest is Perry and he started his journey with the JET program, which is the Japanese English teaching program. And then he moved back to the United States and then back to Japan again. And then he stayed there for good. So if you want to hear his whole story, then tune in. Here it is. Perry. Hi, Perry. Thank you for being on my podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good, Victoria. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this with you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell me, where are you right now? So right now I am in Kagoshima, Japan. It's about the, uh, the southernmost prefecture you can get to on the island of Kyushu, um, which is one of the four main islands. Basically, before you get to Okinawa, that's that's where I'm at. Okay, I will later definitely check again the map of Japan. Because yeah, right now I only for... have like lo one long thing in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Just look for um, look for Kyushu. Look for the big big volcano, and then right to the left of the volcano is my city. Oh, okay, so how big is that city? Uh, it's about I think in. In southern Kyushu, it's like the second big. It's like the biggest city in in the southern part of the island. Um, but even still, it's not that big of a city. It's some populations like six hundred thousand or something like that. That's a good sized city, in my opinion, at least. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm originally from Chicago, which is a population of like three million or so. So so in comparison to that, <laughs> so you're totally downsized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was my next question. So where are you originally from? Yeah, Chicago. yeah. So I'm from the mm -hmm. from Chicago, the the northwest suburbs. But we all just say we're from the city. Sure, sure. It's like me. I say I'm in Austin, but I'm in the suburbs. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody else knows about it. <laughs> the small mm. places. Yeah. Um, it, when I when I name the actual suburb, people are just like, "What?" And I'm just like, it, "It's it's Chicago." And they're like, "Oh, okay, okay." Okay, okay. And so, uh, why did you choose to move to Japan um, in the beginning, in the first place? So I became very interested in uh, in Japanese movies when I was a, a university student and you know, started watching a lot of different um, uh, movies at the time. And um, I was studying to be a teacher. And one day there was like this career fair thing and they had a booth for something called the the JET program, Japan Exchange and Teaching, where mm -hmm. um, they take new grad new university graduates and they send them over to Japan to teach English in, um, in junior high high schools and elementary schools. And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, that's pretty cool. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll, I'll try that. You know, I'll go to Japan. I'll stay there for like a year or two, see what it's like. And then I'll come back to America. And then, you know, one year ended up turning into two to three to five. And now I've been here for almost 15 years. And, and so what was the main reason um, to just stay there for so long? Do you remember like uh, when in the beginning? <clears throat> Um, at first it was just the, the job. It was a good job. I mean, I was making about, I was making really decent money. I was living in, uh, in a small town, which it was like, they sent me to like this really tiny, uh, fishing village where I was 
were population of like 18,000 people. Um, and, uh, but it it was still pretty decently close to the city. I had, my rent was heavily subsidized. I was paying only like $150 a month in rent. So I was making, so I was making really good money. The, the job, the out, the job was really easy. So I thought, well, let's do this for the full five-year contract. And by the time I finished that, yeah. And by the time I finished that five-year contract, um, I was our, I was in a relationship by that point Mm. and, uh, she didn't want to, she didn't want to leave Japan. So it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to stay here and see how this works out. And the whole time you always were in the same place in that small fishing town. At first I was, um, but then after that five-year contract was up, then, um, I couldn't find another job in that town. So at that point I had moved to, um, the city area and I started working, uh, in different jobs, still, still teaching, but just in different capacities. So, yeah. So I did element, I continued with elementary school teaching for about almost a year after that. And after that, I transitioned into doing, um, uh, started working at like, uh, an English intensive school where it's like mostly like college age students or so. And they, they study, they study there for about one year and they study, regular subjects, but they study all in English. So I was teaching uh, literature classes and writing classes over there, which I'm still doing that now. Mm. Um, I did some uh, business English classes, again, still doing that now. And in the Mm -hmm. past, from about five years ago, I started working at uh, teaching at the university level as well. So so I teach basic English classes at two of the universities here in in, in the city. Nice. And um, so going back to when you came to Japan, do you remember what your first reaction was to the Japanese culture? I was a little bit prepared for a lot. I was prepared for a lot of stuff just from my experiences with uh, from seeing Japanese culture in movies uh-huh. and that kind of thing. So so all the basic stuff I knew, like I knew how to use chopsticks. I knew how to um, I knew that you had to take your shoes off when you enter someone's yeah. house. So uh-huh. so a lot of the, I knew you had to bow instead of shaking hands. All those basic surface level stuff about the culture I was already pretty aware of. Um, but then there are other things that were kind of surprising. Like um, the first time I was in uh, Japan and in Tokyo and going to the train station and seeing all these people wearing surgical masks. And I, and at first I'm just like, what is going on here? I, at first I'm like, is there like a surgeon convention in town or something? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because um, but what I found out was that, no, that's just very common in Asia. Whenever they get, uh, whenever people yeah. get sick, they always wear surgical masks. So when the whole mask debate were starting up over COVID, I, I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing. So I'm like, everybody yeah, does because, that here. It's- yeah, because you're already used to that. I am, um, because I have never been to Asia, but I'm also very familiar with those pictures. Um, but I w- was never sure. Is it because somebody has a cold or maybe because the smog or the, you know, the, the air is so bad, polluted? So I was never sure what it is. Yeah, I think if you're in places like China, then it might be more the air pollution thing. But yeah. in Japan, it's usually just you know they've got a cold and they're just yeah. trying to 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 keep their keep keep from infecting other people. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, now we all know this, right? But yeah, yeah. But like when you get there, or even like for us three years ago, it was like, what the heck is going on? Why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was a big surprise for me. And then when I started working at the schools, um, I was a little surprised at some of the things they do there. Like they have basically no janitorial staff. It's the kids do the cleaning and um, they they don't have uh, cafeterias. They all the students all eat lunch in the classroom and the students uh, okay. help out serving the lunch. So so little things like that were uh, were kind of surprising. And do they um, have though, um, like a break room or where they where they go for their for their school break. 
They have, uh, so the way it worked, at least, I think, at all the schools I went to, this is basically how it worked, is they would have, um, they'd have lunchtime in the classroom, and then there would be, uh, then they had, like, a recess time, and they would usually do that outside, I think, for the most part. I mean, I was usually in the in the teacher's office when they were on mm-hmm. recess. And and then after recess, they would have a uh, they would have cleaning time, and so all the students would clean the classroom and clean the schools and the bathrooms and all that. And and then after that, there were like so there was like four classes in the morning and then two classes in the afternoon. Okay, so also shorter school days. Um, I'm not sure how because I'm not sure how it compares to um, America. It's been so long since I was a so, student. But... So I have a I have a daughter. She's gonna be in first grade. After mm. the summer, so I already been to the through the kindergarten process. Yeah. So I don't know how many classes there are in the day, but it starts early at eight o'clock in the morning or seven forty-five, mm. and then it's until almost three o'clock. Okay, so um, about the same. It's usually like about like eight thirty, eight forty, or something. Then until about like four o'clock or so. Okay, so um, similar times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar times, just slightly different start and end time. Yeah, that is nicer. At least they can sleep a little bit longer. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and what about the the work environment? I mean, just because the Japanese are so famous for their um, hard work, like mm-hmm. long working hours, I mean. Yeah. Um, I didn't have that. I was, um, the program I was on, I was an assistant language teacher. So I would do, uh, very little, like my, I had very easy work hours. It was like eight thirty to four fifteen was my work day. And basically just come in, maybe help out with some of the planning for, especially more on the elementary school side, because they didn't have any English teachers for that. So, um, it was basically just all me doing that. Um, but in the junior high school side, you're working with, um, an English teacher, uh, a Mm -hmm. Japanese English teacher. So, so they would do most of the lesson planning and they sometimes depending on the teacher, they'd ask for my input on it. Other times they'd just be like, just do this or, or something like that. So it would really depend on what, what teacher I was working with. Um, the work hours at that job were pretty, pretty easy. Like I said, it was a, it was a simple job. I got paid way more than I deserved to for the amount of work I was doing. Um, but the other teachers, like they worked long hours, like they have to be involved in Mm -hmm. like club activities. They have to, um, be involved in the students' lives outside of school. Mm -hmm. Like if a student gets in trouble or something like that, for example, not only like, you know, getting like police trouble or something like that, not only would the police go to the parents, they'd also go to the the student's homeroom teacher as well. So it's like that kind of thing. So yeah, they're, they're almost like a, like a second parent in a lot of ways. Mm, Okay. Um, so, and that was at, at that, like the, the kind of work I do now, um, I basically just, I, I'm, I'm a freelance teacher for all the jobs I do. So I don't have to stay if I don't have mm-hmm. classes. So like mm-hmm. I go in, I teach my classes and then I, and then I leave, which is, mm-hmm. which is very nice. Like, um, I know other people who are under contract or, or are fully employed, like they have to stay there. Then even if they don't have any classes or anything like that, they still have to be right. on the premises. So, so that's one right. of the freedoms that has from being freelance is I can just come and go as I please. Um, okay. It is it is a lot of work though when it comes to like the grading and that kind of stuff. Like that that's probably the bulk of the work. And I do work long hours just because of all the different things I do. Like just and commute time too. Like some of my pl- mm. schools are about an hour away by car. So so there's Oh, so do you have Do you have public transportation where you are? If it's a big city? Mm. 
Yeah, we've got we've got decent public transportation, but the the hours I have to work and the the places where my schools are, it's not always convenient. Like for example, right. one of my uni- one of the universities I teach at, that's like an hour away from me. Um, mm-hmm. If I was going to take the bus or all that, I'd probably have to take like take a bus to like one area and then take a bus to another area, and it would probably take me longer to go by bus than it would okay. be to just drive there. So you have to do it like during the day switch. Yeah. Uh, campuses yeah yeah i see okay that that makes sense to use the car then and then after your contract ended you said that you moved back to the u.s uh i had moved back to the u.s uh not after that contract ended i had still stayed in japan for about another four years after that contract ended Uh and um by the time and i I ended up getting married for a brief period, but, and we were planning to go back to America together, um, uh-huh. my, then, my then wife and I, but um, she had some problems with depression and, um, and, and mental health issues. And about maybe six months before we were supposed to leave, she was just like, she's like, I don't think I can, I can go. And so she had yeah. changed her mind and we had kind of had like an amicable split after that. And mm-hmm. um, I had accepted a job in the U.S. Um Uh, with like a, a medical nonprofit um, doing like, you know, meeting planning and that kind of stuff. And so okay. I went back to the U.S. and I did that job for about six months. But after about doing it for like three months, I'm just like, I, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't okay, like this, I don't I like this work. Uh-huh. And, and I really did miss being in Japan. So after about six months, I had found a new job and I went back to Japan Um, uh-huh. not co- back to Kagoshima at first, I wasn't able to find a, because the way the Japanese work visa works is that you have to, to get a work visa, you have to have a, a company that's willing to sponsor you, yeah, okay. um, which means you have to be a full-time employee of that company. Uh, mm-hmm. the places I was working before, they didn't offer that kind of work. So they only offered like the freelance type stuff. So, um, I had to take a job with a school in a different part of the country in, um, Uh, Shikoku for about six months. And then during that period, I got in touch with my old employers. I also heard mm. from friends who worked at the university and they they were saying, yeah, so if you're here now, we can offer you work. And once you have a work visa, then you can switch over to, right. it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a DIY visa where it's, if you're, if you've been employed by a company and you already have the visa, then you can switch over if you have contracts showing that you're making yeah. the equivalent of a full-time income. Yeah, the um, the H-1B, I think, works like that, too. Okay. I'm not yeah. 100% sure. My husband is on the H-1B visa, but if you would find an employer who would be sponsor you and you already have the visa, it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, yeah. To get another visa, you can stay on that visa. Yeah, yeah. So it's very yeah. similar similar idea. Like you're not uh-huh. technically sponsored by by the companies, but they're but you're showing that but you're basically continuing on from that. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. And so going back to the US, do you remember uh, why you didn't like it? It was um I was so I had moved uh I didn't go back to Chicago. I had actually taken mm-hmm. this job and it was a remote job and they told me I could work anywhere in the continental US. So Okay. Um I decided I didn't want to live in Chicago anymore. I didn't want to deal with the winters and all that. Yeah. And and after having gone through a divorce and everything, I just kind of wanted mm-hmm. to start over new somewhere Fair else. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So so I actually went to San Diego. Um, oh, okay. and, uh, and yeah, I started living in San Diego, started doing this job remotely. Um, like the opposite was, weather of Chicago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, it was 
It was beautiful every single day. I think it rained like once the three months I was there. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you know, absolutely beautiful weather. But one of the things I found out was that I was just really lonely. And it's mm. and I realized how difficult it is to make friends as an adult, <laughs> which is something yeah, that I, I know, think a lot yeah. of us don't really realize. And especially uh-huh. when you don't have co-workers, right? The only, there was only right. one other person I was working with and she was in Chicago and she was like, uh-huh. you know. 20, 30 years older than me. So, so who would you socialize situation. with? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like there was a bar nearby me. So I would go there sometimes, but it's just, I'm an, I'm an introverted person by nature. So it wasn't, mm. it was hard to, to talk to people. Whereas yeah. one of the interesting things about being in Japan is because I'm, you know, a foreigner in there, like people are, mm. are curious about me. So yeah, I would always have, yeah. So I would always have people come mm. up to me and start conversations with me um, as a result of that. So it was much easier to meet people, ironically enough, when I didn't, <laughs> and when I was in a, a completely foreign country than it was in America. Yeah. And how was that for your, um, how was your Japanese? It's, um, after about 15 years, it should be a lot better than it is. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> like, uh, as far as like reading goes, I, I'm terrible at reading. Um, okay. but, but when it comes to communication, to speaking, I, I know enough to basically hold my own. To hold your own conversation. Like and, and yeah, yeah. For like any sort of like, you know, for conversations, for uh-huh. daily life, life tasks, anything like that. Um, pretty much it, it's, it's good enough to get by basically. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. And um, how was it in the beginning? I mean, you were you worked with a lot of English speakers, but um, how was it to come by when you didn't speak Japanese? So at the the first place I worked when I when I arrived in Japan, I didn't know any Japanese. Um, and in the office where I worked, so when I was working at this place, I was working at uh, I would go to several different schools. So I'd go to like one school per day or. And then, and then I'd go back to the board of education office um, when I didn't have to go to any classes. At the board of education office, there was only one other person who spoke English in the office when I first arrived. Um, later on, there was another person who spoke English who came in. Um, so she was kind of like my lifeline, and she like helped me out. She helped me tra- help translate stuff whenever I got stuff in the mail or questions about anything. She would help me out with that. At the schools, when I was at the elementary schools, there's pretty much nobody who spoke English, except for like mm. maybe one school, one person spoke English. Yeah, okay. And then at the junior high schools, there was a there was at least one English teacher. One school yeah. had like two or three. Um, okay. So I was um, speaking with them a lot, but so and being in that environment where everybody else was speaking Japanese to me all the time, it did help me pick up a lot of Japanese pretty yeah. quickly as a result. Mm-hmm. So how was it for you to make friends? It was pretty easy because the program um, uh, we'd worked to get. We even though I was the only teacher in my in my town, um, there were a lot of other people on the program, um, and you know we'd met some people. We had had a training session in Tokyo before we left too, so I got to meet a lot of the other people who were going to be in the in the same prefecture, um, and we had a pretty good uh, network that we had that had been set up for us. So like it was. Um, Uh, the JET program, they've got these what are called like prefectural chapters of uh, AJET, the Association of, of Japan Exchange and Teaching. And so these prefectural chapters, they're all just kind of like run within the, the prefecture and they provide things like, you know, activities, events, things like that. So I was able to get to know a lot of people through that. And then um, through there, just, you know, going around meeting people and, 
So, so that that's how it was actually pretty easy to make friends uh, while I was on the program. Okay, okay. And then later, when you came back for the second time, you mentioned all your friends were still in the other city and in the other company. Yeah, um, when I come back to Kagoshima, there was um, there were about in in the group that I had that we came together. There was about like maybe five or six of us that actually stayed in Japan after the contracts ended. Um, mm -hmm. But it was only me and like one other person were the only ones who were still in Kagoshima. Everyone else had gone to like different parts of the country. So, okay. so some people went to Tokyo, some people went to like Osaka or uh, very different parts. So um, there were some other people I had, by that point I had, you know, met other uh, foreigners and made other friends. So I had still had this kind of existing network that existed that, that was in place there. And And now, you know, I'm married, I got two kids. So uh, even though there is like this kind of, I've got a few friends that, you know, will try to get together like once every six months or so. But I think, you know, too, having kids, once you have kids, it's difficult. Your social life kind of gets shot to hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you, um, you meet more with your friends that also have kids versus mm -hmm. the ones that don't have kids. It's kind of You leave them out, but they also leave you out, kind of. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, like, it's hard to schedule. It's, like, hard to go out at night all the time, you know? Or It is, yeah. We actually had to... a we had a situation because we had the, the big holiday week in Japan was um, the beginning of May. And um, one of my friends, he, like, sent out a group message to everyone. He's like, hey, let's, you know, I want to see if we can get everybody together. And so it's like one person was available on this day. Another person was only available on this day. And so it's just kind of like, all right, well, I guess we can't do this. <laughs> so how long did it take you to get used to the Japanese culture? Not long. I think I had gone through the typical culture shock. And that was about like, you know, about maybe six months or so. And I think after that point, I was pretty used to it. And okay. um, yeah, so I'd say about six months or so, but uh, six months to a year. And then by that point, I was pretty used to how things how things worked. And uh, like I, said, I was lucky because I had a I had an organization, um, a board of education that was really supportive. Um, mm -hmm. They, you know, they had an English speaker there. So they were very supportive. Um, mm -hmm. So I was lucky in that respect. Other people, um, they had not been so lucky. There's <clears throat> There's an acronym on the JET program, ESID. Every situation is different. And yeah. basically, it means that, you know, there it will totally depend on the place you're at, the people you're around, and that can, like, make or break your experience. Because I know some people right. who, they were just pretty much ignored. Like, they, <laughs> they got, like, no mm -hmm. support. Their their board of education didn't care. Others were, like, under, like, very, their, their board of education, like, babied them, right? They're, like, taking mm -hmm. care of them all the time. And And all that kind of stuff. So, like, I had this nice middle ground where they were there if I needed them. But if I didn't need them, they just kind of like, okay, well, you know, you can take it, do your own thing then. Okay. And is there anything that you still don't get or that you still kind of find it hard to comprehend with? Um, Not so much. I mean, I think the... There are things that annoy me, like about the bureaucracy uh, here. So like if you have to go to, to City Hall or anything like that, um, stuff like that can get annoying. Uh, we also have um, uh, this ridiculous car inspection thing called Shaken, where like every two years you have to pay this massive chunk of money to get your car like inspected from top to bottom. And... Well, we have that too in Germany. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's so it's just it's just an excuse to get people to um, to to cycle through their cars more. So to keep the Japanese auto industry afloat, basically. Uh, okay. Or to keep the roads the, safer. Well, it, 
in theory, that's what it's for. But in practice, it's just to keep the auto- automotive industry afloat mm-hmm. because the the inspection fee never goes down as your car depreciates in value. So event- after like two or three years, it gets to the point where it's not worth paying this fee to, to keep this car running. And I think in Germany, it's like if you buy a new car, you can waive that inspection for five years. Oh, really? And then, oh, that's nice. and then after every two years, you need to have it inspected. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they do like they here. do like brake checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know what they do. I haven't been there in so long. And then here it's like they do a smog check, and then they check if it's safe. But I mean, like mm-hmm. in in comparison, in Germany, you would not be allowed to drive such an old car. Like here, mm-hmm. you know, they check if it's rusty or anything. So and and I think like so let you drive old cars here. It's just as long as it can pass the inspection and but it's like that's the thing. It's it's such an expensive fee, uh, uh-huh. and it's most people will choose not to keep their cars running just because it, it's oh, not because, worth the expense mm, of keeping it up and running. Yeah. Um. So th- that's one of the reasons why they they tr- they keep doing it. Uh. So so that's annoying. Um. But other than that, like I I'm pretty used to how things work here, and nothing really surprises me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like you know when something happens, it's it, that is um, is a result of bureaucracy or something like that. It, it never surprised me anymore. It's just like, okay, that's just the way things are here. Okay. And how is it to have like um, a Japanese Japanese family, like Japanese mm-hmm. in-laws? Does it have a different value than here? Um, I think it depends a lot on the family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my wife doesn't get along that great with her mm-hmm. mother, so okay. we don't see her a whole lot, but, <laughs> but she gets along really she gets along really well with her sister. And so like her, her sister and her sister's kids will sometimes come and they'll stay the night over here on occasion. Um, on occasion, my wife will take the kids and she'll go down to visit her sister's place. So, um, so yeah, that, that stuff like that. Um, but you know, I've got a good relationship with her family. They were a little standoffish at first. Um, but, uh, but they, they, they warmed up pretty quickly and they haven't been, you know, like um my my ex-wife actually her family was amazingly supportive so uh-huh. uh so like this is it's it's not as supportive as that was but it is still they're still very they're they're good people like yeah. there's nothing to complain about basically yeah nice um would you say they were like a little bit um hesitant in the beginning because you were american or, or oh yeah, yeah absolutely that, that's that, exactly mm-hmm. what it was yeah 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 and how do people in general react to um to americans for the most part, in my experience, I haven't had a whole lot of negative reactions. Um, when I was when I was single and I was still dating, I did have a few like who were like, "Oh, you're American? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry." Am I gonna and date so, like, an American? <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. Like I don't I don't want to date a I don't want to date a foreigner type of thing. So because mm, okay. uh, like some of the the dating apps and some and things like that, they you know first you're communicating through messages, so they yeah. may not realize at first. So. Um, and my Japanese was good enough, I guess, to fool them at first. So uh, when they okay. found out I was uh-huh. American, they're just like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, um, like, I had little things like that pop up. Um, but, you know, in in Kagoshima, at least, you know, people are very are very friendly. People are very nice. So I haven't experienced, like, a whole lot of discrimination or anything like that here. Mm-hmm. That nice, yeah. Is there, like, now, I mean, it's been 15 years, is, that, is there anything that you miss? Um, mostly food. Food, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, I, 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 I do miss like Chicago deep dish pizza, uh-huh. um, uh, uh, gyros, like Mexican food, yeah. like it, that kind of stuff. I, I miss. Um, 
so when we when whenever we go back to America, like we're planning a trip in August, and so I'm probably gonna you know eat a lot of crap food when we go there. <laughs> yeah, like, which is which is good too that I that it, that that stuff's not as readily available, uh-huh. but it is also um, yeah that's probably the thing I miss the most is just the food culture. Mm-hmm. Is it because your city is not big enough, or is it in general that in Jap in Japan you have more like Asian cuisine? I think if you go to the bigger cities like Tokyo, Osaka, they'll mm-hmm. have a lot more like yeah. foreign food restaurants. So I think it is really just a case of this is just, you know, the area we live in. Right. And right. it's changed in recent years. Like um, when I first came here, the only examples of uh, foreign restaurants were you had Indian, you had Italian and you had Chinese. And that was about it. And now there are a few other it? options. Um, depends on the restaurant. Like, you know, I was never a big like. How was the pizza? Mm, not that great. <laughs> uh, it, it's just because so many um, Asians are lactose intolerant and don't even like cheese is not that common, right? No, actually, it's pretty common here. Like, uh, there's, uh, uh, there's okay. yeah, I think I that's, I think, I don't think that's, I don't, I think that's mostly a myth, actually. Uh, but okay, uh, yeah, or maybe it's just not as because, like, when I was even even when I was at the teaching at the schools, like the kids always had milk with their lunch and, and stuff like that. Mm. So. Oh, okay. And anything else that you miss? Um, no, no. Like, I, I do miss, like, being being close to my family, like my mom and mm-hmm. my sister, that kind of thing. Um, I do miss, like, being close to, like, my friends who still live in Chicago. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, we all have families now, so I'm not sure how much time we would actually right. get to spend together. Right. Even when I do go back to Chicago, it's just like, oh, okay, well, we've got, like, maybe one day out of this, like, entire time I'm going to be there that I can see you. So Right. Yeah. So yeah, how so I'm often? not even sure how different that would how so it'd probably be I probably would see them as often as I do now. <laughs> if you know, That's I what I say them. too. Like because like all my friends that I grew up with or that were my friends when I was a teenager, like they moved all over the country. Mm-hmm. So even if I would live there, I would not see them much more, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, like we would like still communicate the same way as we do now, just this WhatsApp or Right, every or, now or and Facebook then like, like um, yeah. yeah exactly so i always think like if we would move there uh i would not still i would still not see my friends more often exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um how often do you visit um so we've gone more often lately like we went um for christmas at the end of 2021 um, and a big part of that was because my daughter had been born uh, in the January previous. So, and my sister had her wedding too. So, so we went back because of that. So your your son was born January. Oh, mm-hmm. your daughter is born January twenty one. Yeah, yeah. And my son oh, was cool. born um, in uh, last year in July. All right. So I I think our your older, my younger are the same age. Then. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. She's just, about two and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we're going back again um, in in August, and that's again because my son was born. So. Um, uh huh. So, yeah. So, but if but after this, like, we're probably not going to be going back that often. Like, it's it, it like my mom helps us out to pay for the trip. It's expensive. Like, even mm-hmm. when I was single, it was expensive. Like now we got a family of four, and you know this time at least he can still fly for free, but my uh-huh. daughter now needs to pay for her seat. Yeah. Um, and just like and just even just the domestic flight to fly to Tokyo because we were able to because my daughter is still under three so we can still get her in for free. Mm-hmm. But just that is like six hundred dollars. 
for just the two That's of crazy. us. For is, round trip. So yeah. is airfare in general very expensive in Japan? Um, compared to America, I'd say yes. I believe it's you can actually get flights in America uh, domestically for less than a hundred dollars, right? Uh, yeah, but not everywhere. But like okay. to the main, um, if you're lucky, yes. Okay. If you're okay. Lucky, so you find something. So yeah, but, you might be able to find that too, but usually it's about like a uh, hundred dollars or a hundred plus, and here for, to fly domestically. I'm just asking because for the same flights from Germany to here, it's way cheaper than the same flight, but you book it from America, it costs almost double. Really? For example, my mother flew to visit us and she found flights for like 400 euros mm -hmm. from Frankfurt to San Francisco. Oh. And and like I always have to pay at least a thousand. If it's like under a thousand, it's like you're really lucky. But it's yeah, usually yeah. always over a thousand. No, that's true too here because when I was um when I would pay for flights for myself, what I would usually do was I would use Korean Air because they were a lot cheaper. And usually I can mm -hmm. fly from Kagoshima and then I have to go to Seoul and I maybe have to stay overnight in Seoul and and then from Seoul to Chicago. And that I could usually get for about a thousand dollars maybe less for a round trip flight right, um uh -huh. and but my but when my mom helps us out she has all these points and miles with like yeah, uh, okay, american nice, companies yeah. and and it's usually like twice as expensive but oh, because crazy. it gets offset by like the points and all that stuff so yeah that's crazy but at least at least she has that mm -hmm, point yeah. program that's and, nice. and i would and i will say like the the even still like the korean airlines they're not only are the airlines um cheaper but they're it's just such a much nicer experience flying too. yeah yeah um for us it's the same like when we were uh without kids then it was like not that big question of visiting but like now you think like three times like do mm -hmm. i really have to go like i don't know it's so expensive like four plane tickets it's yeah one of my coworkers, he is going back now um this summer to canada and he hasn't been back in like 19 years he said Wow. Because um, he's got, you know, he's got three kids and everything. So, it, right. So, he's going, yeah, he's going alone. He's not going with his kids. He's just going by mm, himself. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, like, and I was talking to my mom. I think from now on, it's probably going to be more like my mom is more likely to come visit us than sure. we are to go yes. visit her. Yes. How often did she come? Or She's only come once before. And that was, um, that was, that was before. That was like years ago. So that was before my, my oh, wife. That was before. Um, but she's talking now about maybe coming to visit next year. So yeah, we'll, of course. She's she's talked about that before though. So we'll see how that actually turns out. Yeah, but I mean now it probably makes more sense because mm -hmm. it's like okay, I I pay this much and they pay like four times the price. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 It might be more likely that maybe she pays for the kids to come over or something like that in the future or or something along those lines would be more likely. Yeah. I think. So whenever you visit the U.S., I mean, you only visited a long time, kind of a long time ago. But mm -hmm. do you remember anything about a reverse culture shock? Not when I go back to visit, because I'm usually only there for maybe two weeks max mm -hmm. when I go back to visit. Um, but it did happen when I when I did move back briefly. Uh, so that was about okay. um, that was about five years ago now, five, six years ago. Um that time when I moved back, yeah, I, I experienced a huge reverse culture shock. Okay, like what? <laughs> you know, just like a lot of the different things. Like, you know, like I mentioned, like being able to 
to talk to people easily, like just having mm. uh, just also how big America is in comparison and just like how right. like when I was even even though I had a car here, like there's still plenty of places I can easily walk to. Like there's there's a convenience. Yeah. There's a grocery store like, you know, a five minute walk away. There's a convenience mm-hmm. store like 10 minutes walk away. Uh, it, it takes me like 10 minutes to walk to the train station. Right. And, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's easy to walk there. Like the, the sidewalks are, are pretty wide. They're very safe to walk on. So you don't have to, it's not like, but when I was in um, San Diego, there was a shopping plaza next to my apartment building, but next uh-huh. to was still like a 15 minute walk away. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was, and there was like no sidewalk. It was like not really right. easy to walk on. So it's like, you're right. walking along this busy road and you've got this tiny shoulder you're walking on. So yeah. it's like, it, it, that was a big thing too. Like just like you know, going around if you don't have a car, it's almost impossible. It's like kind of dangerous, even. It like, is, yeah, 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 yeah. That was for me too. When we moved to Austin, I was also like, "Where are the sidewalks?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we were in the Bay Area before in California, and there were sidewalks everywhere. Like people walk there, mm-hmm. but so I thought that's pretty common. So I was very surprised that. It's not the case everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, in Japan, it, it's set up, even in places where public transportation is not as good, the roads are still set up to make it easy for people to walk. Yeah. I didn't even know how to walk to the playground, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, my daughter was like two and a half when we came here. And the playground was a 15-minute walk just through the neighborhood. And I was like, we cannot walk. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. I feel like you. I don't want to walk with you on the street the whole time. Yeah, it was still yeah. a quiet street, but like still, it's like this is really doesn't feel so good. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Like we have that here too. Like when I'm, if I have to work and I have to take the car, my wife, uh, she's still on maternity leave, so she's still at home mm-hmm. with the kids, and um, so she'll like you know she'll put like um she'll put one on the stroller she'll put the other in the baby carrier and she'll walk to the park it's like you know again like 10 15 minute walk very mm-hmm. easy to walk to from here um mm-hmm. but in america like you're saying that walk might be kind of dangerous <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy and and especially like on the on the very busy streets yeah like sometimes mm-hmm. it's like hey i'm on this corner and i just need to go across this the road but it happens to be like i don't know four lanes yeah yeah and no traffic light for pedestrians you mm-hmm. know so it's like exactly, oh, yeah. how do i get there yeah my mom lives yeah. in a in a condo now and, it, and it's in a suburban area and there's this big like shopping plaza with like um restaurants and all that like you know a short walk from her place but there's like no sidewalks to walk there <laughs> It's so weird. I mean, yeah. also because I think having a car is so expensive, you know? It's, it is, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, here kind of everybody assumes that you have a car, but mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of just need to work to afford your car. Yeah. Because gas, insurance, registration, mm-hmm. then the car itself. Yeah, yeah. Repairs. Yeah, I mm-hmm. don't know. And um, would you ever consider moving back to the U.S.? 
No, definitely not. Like <laughs> after the last, <laughs> after the time I attempted to, I'm just like, okay. So I tried it, and no, I'm not gonna not, would not do that again. Um, I might move to another country. Like I, you know, I would not be opposed to like moving to like Canada or some or Australia or uh, something okay. like that. But but like moving back to America, apps absolutely hard. No, like the it's just the. The, the social safety net is just completely eroded in America now. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like here we get, you know, and just the cost of living is so ridiculously high there. I mean, when I was in San Diego, I was paying about 1400 a month for a one bedroom apartment. And, mm-hmm. and that was cheap. That was cheap. Yeah, that was cheap. <laughs> yes, it was cheap. And, you know, private health insurance is like, what, like, you know, 500 or something, if you're lucky for just basic bare bones health insurance. Um, mm-hmm. Here I pay like maybe 200 a month for health insurance. And that covers mm-hmm. me and my kids. Um, my mm-hmm. wife's on company insurance. So that's a different story. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about her. Um, and our house, we've got a house here. It's a two bedroom house and it costs us about 500 a month. Um, that's crazy. It's so cheap. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> yeah. And you can, I mean, it's, it's an older house, but it's still like, you can find uh-huh. decent homes here for less than a thousand dollars a month and you can't that find nice. that in America. And you know, the, yeah. there's a, there's a social safety net here. Like I, we get, we get money for our kids. The government gives us like a, a child, uh, child, um, benefits. Like they give us, um, mm-hmm. uh, when they're young, it's like, um, I think it like basically like a thousand dollars every three or four months or so is what they give us. So like okay. every three to four months, they give us like a thousand dollars for, mm-hmm. um, or 1200. Yeah. Cause it was like, it was like 150 a month, but it's like, Oh, paid out over four months. So it's like, so with the uh, both of them, it's like $1,200 every, every, yeah, I see. We have that in so. Germany too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, and, I think it's, I, I mean, it's been so long, but I think it's about the same. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about increasing that now too. Like they're uh-huh. they're they're to boost like the the population and all that. They're increasing the benefits they give to to families. So, so yeah. like I mean, just like and just the cost of living in general. Like one of the things people will say about Japan is that the salaries are so low, and that's true. Like I make about in a good year maybe thirty thousand a year. But um, you have way le- less. Expenses. It's so much more. It's so much cheaper to live here. So yeah. Um, so yeah, when I when I tell people like I make like you know about two thousand dollars a month, they're like, "What? How do you live on that?" I'm like, "Well, everything is cheap here, so it does, it's yeah. it's really easy." So yeah, it's uh, it's not a bad it's not mm. bad income for having low expenses. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it's safe. Like I, when my kids don't go to school yet, but when they start yeah. going to school, I don't have to worry that someone's gonna come in and you yeah. know shoot the place up. Like there, that is not even a concern. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. It is stupid. Yeah. And I don't even get why they're, <laughs> I don't even get why they allow it, you know? Don't even get me started. Yeah, no, <laughs> we'll be here I'm, on, yes, <laughs> I'm on the same page. <laughs> okay. I think pretty much we got it. I don't have any more questions. Okay, great. So I thank you for your time. It was really interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So thank you for tuning in for this week's episode with Worlds Collide. I guess Perry really upsold the JET program here. So if you're in the point of your life where you think like, hey, maybe I could move to a different country and why not Japan? So, hey, the JET program really sounds great. 
give it a try. So maybe you could just move to Japan for a few years and teach English. Just an idea. And I also wanted to tell you about Perry's two podcasts. One is called Japan on Film. And the other one is called Superhero Cinephiles. And he also has a website because he's also an author. It's uh, percivalconstantine.com and you will find all of these three things in my show notes in case you don't remember everything. Um, yeah, just look here in the show notes. And yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave it a five-star review at wherever you listen to this. And if you are curious or if you're interested in being a guest on my show, then please reach out to me. You can send me an email at worldscollide123pod at gmail.com or you can also just write me a line on Instagram. It's worldscollidepod, just one word. And then there's also a TikTok, worldscollidepod, and a thread where it's worldscollidepodcast. I think now I got all of them. So you can find me everywhere and follow me everywhere. And I hope again you tune in again next week. And I stop talking now. But I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.